How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of English Encore. I'm your host, Nick English. Thank you all for tuning in. Today, I'm going over some of the winners and losers from the NHL trade deadline. I'm going to talk about which team between the Clippers and Lakers um, have the best chance at winning the NBA title this season and being crowned the Kings of LA. And then finally, I'm going to be going over um, some of the potential new NFL rule changes that were proposed for their upcoming CBA with the players, including changing it from a 16 to a 17 game season, and then having seven teams per conference in the playoffs. So starting off with the NHL um, trade deadline, a lot of trades happening, some pretty big ones as well. Um, I'm going to go over four teams, two of which I thought were the biggest winners from the NHL trade deadline, and two who I really just thought didn't do enough or didn't make enough moves to really solidify themselves going forward into the playoffs and Stanley Cup. So the two teams who I thought were the loser to trade deadline, um, I thought the Tampa Bay Lightning honestly didn't have a very good trade deadline. Um, they did acquire Barkley Goudreau from the San Jose Sharks, but they gave up a first-round pick to do so. Um, Goudreau is a decent player. Um, to me, he's a bottom end, top six, high um, third, fourth liner. Um, I shouldn't say fourth liner. He's definitely a third liner. Um, good upside for a second liner. He's not a first liner. So giving up a first-round pick um, for that, I wasn't really understanding of that. Um, you know, Stamkos is dealing with an injury now. Um, and then they signed free agent from the Buffalo Sabres, Zach Bogosian, who they just got rid of. Um, really didn't do anything in Buffalo. Um, was pretty highly touted defenseman when he played in Winnipeg, even his first few years in Buffalo. But um, they signed him to really add to their back line depth, kind of as that 5-6 defenseman. Um, and he just looked awful in their first game. So... Only adding those few little pieces, I'm not sure Tampa Bay did enough to really solidify themselves going to the playoffs. I mean, last year they got bumped out in the first round by Columbus. They got swept out of the building. Um, I don't think that'll happen this year, and they still have a very good chance to um, win the Stanley Cup, but we haven't seen that from them um, in the playoffs past years. They haven't been consistent. And I just don't think they added enough. I thought they should have added another quality defenseman. Um, could have added another forward. Uh, you know, Tyler DeFoley got traded a few weeks ago from the Kings. That was a guy I thought Tampa Bay could have potentially added to add some depth on that third and fourth line. Um, but the other team I thought that was a loser trade down was Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, so fact, they really didn't add anyone. Um, a lot of low names um, that people really haven't heard of. And because of the injuries that have occurred for them, you know, Frederick Anderson's just coming back off injury, and he's really struggled in goal. And then they just lost Jake Muzzin, along with Morgan Riley, who's been out for a long time. So they really have no defensemen. And they traded away um, Jordan Schmaltz to the Islanders, who was a defenseman. They also traded Ben Harper, who's a defenseman, to Nashville. They traded back goalie um, Hutchinson to Colorado. So just a lot of very questionable moves by the Maple Leafs um, team that's definitely decimated on the blue line right now. Um, they're really fighting to get in the playoffs. Teams like um, Florida and Buffalo from their division are kind of hanging around there. And if they can put some wins together um, and the Leafs continue to struggle because of their defensive problems and even Matthews and Tavares really haven't gotten it going lately. 
um, Toronto could really be in some trouble, and they're very um, in a very unfriendly cap situation because of locking up Tavares and Mitch Marner long term over the past few off seasons. Um, so I just really didn't think they added enough um, to really solidify themselves as a lock in playoff team. Um, I do think they are going to make it, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. And I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up getting bounced in the first round of the playoffs yet again. And I know before I mentioned um, Jordan Schmoltz got traded Toronto uh, from Toronto to the Islanders. Islanders is one of the teams that had as a winner of free agency, not only adding him, but adding John Gabriel Paggio from Ottawa. Very solid player. They signed him to a five-year extension as soon as they got him. Um, just really, really solid centerman and forward. Um, easily a top two-line guy. Um, I think he helps them right away. And, you know, the Islanders did miss out on Zach Parisi. Um, they had talks with him. Weren't able to get a deal done with Minnesota, but that could be something they explore in the offseason as well. But as far as the deadline goes, adding Paggio and Schmoltz to kind of shore up some of the problems they had. Um, Paggio, since getting there, has had a few really nice games scored in their first game that they got him. Um, but to me, the biggest winner of the um, trade deadline was easily the Carolina Hurricanes. They acquired Vincent Trojcek from the Florida Panthers as a forward. Um, could play center and wing, more of centerman. Um, I think he's going to probably be their third-line guy, but he definitely has the ability to play top two-line minutes. Um, then they went out and added two defensemen, albeit they had to give up um, first-round pick. I believe it was a third-round pick. But they got D-man Sammy Vantanen from New Jersey Devils. And then um, Brady Shea, or maybe I pronounced that wrong, um, from the Rangers, very young, talented defenseman. Definitely Butcher's last name, but you get the point. Um, and those were moves they really desperately needed to make. Um, they lost one of the best defensemen in the NHL earlier in the season in Dougie Hamilton. Um, they've been banged up on the blue line. Jake Slavin's been hurt a little bit too. Um, so they really need to assure themselves on the back end. Um, they've been getting decent goaltending most of the year. Um, their top six is one of the best in the NHL between Tara Vinen, Zibanechev, and um, Aho. So I really think Carolina's going to make a playoff run here. They're on the outside um, looking in at the moment, but um, but they are only two points back right now of Columbus. So definitely a team that I would keep an eye on, especially after the run they made in last year's playoffs. I think adding those guys is only going to help them coming forward. Who knows? Maybe they can get Dougie Hamilton back. Um, we will see. But So the winners from the trade deadline, in my opinion, were the Hurricanes and Islanders. The losers were the Toronto Maple Leafs and Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, I thought Pittsburgh actually had a nice um, deadline as well. We're able to get Patrick Marlowe, bring back Connor Sheary and trade with Buffalo. But um, I just thought the Islanders and Hurricanes had a better overall deadline than them. So now moving on to some NBA talk. Um, one of the biggest topics throughout the year has been which LA team is better and which one's going to make um, the NBA Finals. It's pretty much been assumed by a lot of people in the media that if the um, playoffs line up correctly, it's going to be the Clippers versus the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. 
be super intriguing because all their games are at the Staples Center in LA. So it's pretty much a home game for both of them every single night. And I think that would actually put an advantage for the Lakers because I think their fan base, especially with everything going on with Kobe or happening with Kobe, um, would really push them and give them a home crowd advantage even when it would be considered technically an away game. Um, Clippers are still up and coming as far as creating themselves in that market in LA. Currently, the Clippers are 39-19. They're the number three seed in the West. Um, their lineup's pretty much made up a bunch of all-stars. Kawhi Leonard, the reigning finals MVP. Paul George, trade from Oklahoma City. They just got Marcus Morris in a trade from the Knicks. Very deep bench with Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, Patrick Beverly, and they just picked up Reggie Jackson, who was um, worked out negotiation to be waived by the Pistons. Meanwhile, the Lakers, 45-12 and 12 overall. They're the number one seed currently in the West. Obviously, big names, LeBron, Anthony Davis, um, yup, young guys like Kyle Kuzma. Then you have Markeith Morris, who they just got from free agency. Rajon Rondo and Danny Green, both guys who have been around for a while. Good playoff experience. Um, when you look at both of these teams, I think on paper the Clippers are the more talented roster from top to bottom. Um, I also think there's a lot better defensively. Um, when you have Kawhi, Paul George, and Morris, and Patrick Beverly all being able to be on the floor at the same time, um, that's a really, really scary defensive lineup. Um, I know... Anthony Davis is a very good rim protector. Markeith Morris and Danny Green are both good um, defenders as well. And LeBron, when he wants to, um, especially in the playoffs when he needs to be, he can turn it up defensively. Um, my issue with the Lakers is they really don't have a good backup point guard behind Rondo. Um, and I know Rondo really doesn't start that much anymore. LeBron's pretty much their primary point guard. But when he goes to the bench, they don't have anyone that's really a scoring threat. I was very surprised they didn't go out and add a guy like Derrick Rose or Dennis Schroeder from the Thunder in a trade before the trade deadline. It was talked that Clippers and Lakers were both talking to uh, Darren Collison, the former Indiana Pacers, see if they could get him to come out of retirement. But, um, you know, the Clippers really got the better of the Lakers right before the deadline. Being able to add Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson compared to the Lakers really didn't add anything except for Markeith Morris who's a solid player but he's not his brother his brother to Marcus is a lot better um but my worries for the Clippers is um Paul George still doesn't seem fully healthy they've battled some injuries all year um, Patrick Beverly and Montrez Harrell have both been banged up um Kawhi Leonard they've been using him uh sparingly in back-to-back -back games they've used uh, been resting him a lot, and they do have a very young team. I know Kawhi and Paul George and guys like Lou Williams and stuff have been there before, and this team last year did make a good run in the playoffs. I know they got bounced um, by the Warriors, but they took them to six games, which a lot of people didn't think they would do. Very scrappy young team. It's just a matter of when you get to that next step, when you hit the Western Conference Finals, the NBA Finals, do those players shrink in the moment or they go up to it? Um, we saw a team like Portland who year after year got progressively better and worked their way up into that Western Conference Finals. And 
I think that's what the Clippers are kind of doing. They're kind of slowly but surely getting better. Obviously, adding guys like Paul George, Kawhi Leonard in the offseason automatically makes you a championship favorite. But um, Portland gets there, and they hold their own against Golden State for the most part. I know they got swept, but if you look at those games, they were in every single game. Um, and besides Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, a lot of the other guys who hadn't been that far yet just didn't seem ready for the moment. So my biggest question with the Clippers is once they get to that moment, are guys like Reggie Jackson, um, Marcus Morris, um, Lou Williams, Montrezl Harrell, guys who haven't been that far before, even though they have NBA experience and playoff experience, are they going to rise to the occasion or are they going to shrink in the moment? Because when I look at the Lakers side, I have zero question about what they're going to do in the moment. LeBron went to eight consecutive finals. Anthony Davis has been in the playoffs before, um, and he's just a superstar player. Now, Kyle Kuzma, a little bit of a question mark. Markeith Morris was a perennial playoff team with the Wizards um, in the East. Rajon Rondo has been to the NBA Finals. He's won a championship. Danny Green has won multiple championships between the Spurs and the Toronto Raptors. And I just think, overall, that experience is going to help the Lakers more than the Clippers. Um, but if I had to pick which team I think has a better chance of winning the NBA Finals this year, um, I would say the Lakers. And honestly, my biggest reason, and this is probably going to sound like the easy answer, and maybe it really has zero effect at all of the game, but I honestly think because of what happened, and Kobe tragically dying in that helicopter crash. I just think that adds a whole different element to Lakers. Um, just the fan base wanting them all to win so bad for Kobe. The players all wanting to win for Kobe. Um, I think LeBron and Anthony Davis are going to take their games to a whole new level, especially LeBron. I think LeBron wants to win it for them this year so badly. And I just think right now... Um, not only would it be a good story, but it almost seems like it's destined to happen that the Lakers are supposed to win the championship this year once they finally got Anthony Davis to pair with LeBron and kind of make the Lakers relevant again because they really haven't been relevant since Kobe left. Um, so I just think it adds up perfectly. Now, if you ask me the question about the next like five, six years, I would definitely say the Clippers just because they have Kawhi and Paul George and LeBron's getting up there in age, and after he's gone, it's really just going to be Anthony Davis, and will he want to stay there? I don't know. Um, but right now, I just think the Clippers are a few years away still. Um, I think it's the Lakers' time. I still think the Bucks in the East is another team. Who knows next year if Miami adds another superstar, what they'll be once KD comes back for the Nets. Who knows? Um Moving on to the NFL, um, so it was recently proposed that they be adding one more game to the regular season, so 17 regular season games, and seven teams would make the playoffs. They would change the playoff format so only the top team um, in each conference from the AFC and NFC would get a bye, and all the other teams would play. Um, still up in the air, a lot of the players don't seem to like it. Personally, I don't like it either. Um I think 16 weeks is a good number. I really don't like the 17 playoff idea at all. Um, 
one from just an injury standpoint, both for the players and, and next week of football can do so much on a player's body. And I know they sign up to play football and it's risk reward, but that one week can make a huge difference. Like we could be through the 16 regular season games and you add that one game and Patrick Mahomes gets hurt that week. And now in the playoffs, it's going to be Matt Moore being their quarterback. And I know that's very hypothetical, but that's what could happen. And I'm also not the proponent that you should be adding bad teams into the playoffs. Like we've seen in the past where the NFC uh, East with the Cowboys, Eagles, Redskins, and Giants, we've seen a team win that division at like 7-9, and 8-8. Eight and eight. If you would have done that format this year, the team in the AFC that would have made it would have been the Steelers at 8-8. Eight and eight. Like, I just don't see the idea of why that's a, like, be a smart move for the playoffs. Um, I mean, you look at the NHL. Half the teams in the NHL make the playoffs. Um, you look at the NBA. Like, they have eight from each conference, but you look at the East, the bottom tier seeds are sometimes below 500 and still make it. And when was the last time... You saw a number one seed lose to a number eight seed in the NBA. Last time was 1999 when the Knicks made that incredible run, the first ever eight seed to make the NBA Finals. Um, I just don't like the idea of you rewarding mediocre play just because you want to add another game to the playoffs and make the NFL more money. Like, no fan will want, I mean, I'm sure the fan of that team will be happy that. Oh yay! I made the playoffs. But if your team's seven and nine or eight and eight, and you make the playoffs because there's a bunch of other really crappy teams below you, and you're basically just making it because they added that spot. Like as a fan, I wouldn't even like like that feeling. Like if I was a Steelers fan and my team went seven and nine or they went eight and eight this year, and they were just thrown into the playoffs because of this new format, like I wouldn't feel like I made the playoffs. Like, I went 8-8. Eight and eight. Like, that's not good. That's 500. You're mediocre. And then what's going to happen? They're going to play the number two seed Chiefs, the Texans, whatever, and just get blown out? I mean, I know it's a little different in the NFL where games are usually a lot closer depending on who you play. I mean, you look at the NBA, when it's 8-1 seed, it's rarely ever a contest. Um, NHL is a little more up in the air, but for the most part, those one and two seeds are usually pretty good against the wild card. I know Tampa Bay got swept by Columbus last year, but it was kind of the one-time exception to that rule. Um, I can you can just tell the players don't really want to do it from not only an injury perspective, but I mean, let's face it. I mean, I know they get paid millions of dollars, but I don't even know how much the NFL makes billions, gazillions. I don't even know, like. They're just trying to fill their pockets with money, which, like, as a business, like, yeah, that's all you want to do. But for me as a fan and from a player perspective, I just don't see the point of adding one more game. Like, that's another game you got to get travel plans for. And, like, if you added a 17th game, how do you decide which teams the NFL get a home game and which one's getting away? Because now it's no longer you have eight home, eight away. It's one team's going to have nine, one team's going to have eight. And, like, those games could mean something in a playoff race if you go down that route 
And I don't think like the NFL is going to want to hear the backlash of if just for an example, if the bills go and play, I don't know the Baltimore Ravens in week 17 and they're uh, nine and seven right now. And if they win, they get in the playoffs, they lose, they don't. And you go into Baltimore, the bills play a really close game and they lose by three. Well, now it's going to be, well, if we had it as a home game, but no, the NFL decided we had to go play on the road. Like, I just don't understand how you would decide that and what the point of adding that 17th game would be. I also just think it would look super weird. We're so used to seeing 10 and 6, 8 and 8, 12 and 4, like 17. Like, I don't want to look in the paper or online, look at the standing and see a team be like 10 and 7. Like, that's just weird to me. Um, so we'll see what goes forward right now. I think the players denied it for their new CBA, but you know, you never know what the NFL, the owners and Goodell always have something up their sleep. So we'll see what they decide. Um, potentially could happen this year. We'll see. Um, I really don't think it will this year. I think it could happen in two to three years from now, but only time will tell, but yeah, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you all for tuning in. Next week, I'll be talking about some UB basketball as the NCAA tournament's approaching, whether or not I think they can squeak their way through the MAC tournament and find themselves back in March Madness once again. Um, the NFL Combine just started, so next week I'll be talking about some Bills draft talk, some players that really stood out in the draft, who might be on the Bills board overall. And after having a few weeks off and composing myself a little more, I'm finally ready to talk about the Sabres again. Um, they're fighting for a playoff spot, barely. Um, they're 10 points behind Toronto right now. However, they do have two games in hand. So if you do consider both those potentially wins, you're really only six points out. It's only a three-game skid. Um, we'll see. You know, as I mentioned before at the beginning of the podcast, Toronto's lost two or lost defense. Uh, Jake Muzzin. So we'll see next week. I'll, will be a better idea of how close we are if we're in the playoffs or we're out pretty much. So we'll talk about that next week. Uh, yeah, so I hope you all enjoy the rest of your week and weekend, and I hope you all tune in next week. Thanks, everyone.